Hello, everyone. It's your host again, Nathan Rapaka with the Slice Podcast. And I am coming to you right now, live, right after the Nadal Medvedev five set thriller match, one of the greatest matches I've ever seen in my life. Really, this match was a war of attrition and mental toughness. And yeah, man, it it was a crazy match. Um, I I am still lost for words, but I wanted to give my instant reactions to this and also get into kind of the debate that, you know, I really want to pursue talking about is the GOAT debate now that Nadal has won. But first off, congratulations, Rafael Nadal. Um, it is just freaking impressive how a guy had COVID, took, came off a month of training, and won the tournament that has really um, messed him up for his career. Like the Australian Open, he had only won once in 2009, and he's had so many heartbreaking losses at the Open. This was his statistically worst tournament ever, and he's been so close to winning the trophy and holding the trophy so many times. And Nadal has always come short, right? 2012, the six-hour thriller against Novak Djokovic. He had a lead in the fifth set. 2017 against Federer had a lead in the fifth set. And that was like a street fight. Federer out, Rafa, Rafa. And then we had the injuries against Wawrinka, the pullouts against Tsitsipas. So, so many different obstacles Nadal had to face. And he freaking did it. it. I I cannot believe it and I cannot express it or put it into words. For those who know me, my friends, family, I've been a Roger Federer fan since I was a young kid. Since I was, I would say, about seven, eight years old, I was watching tennis. My dad got me into the game of tennis and I was always a Federer fan. Always Federer fan. One of the most heartbreaking moments in sports for me personally, and that's still to this day etched into my head, is the 2008 Wimbledon final where Rafa beat Federer. And, you know, as a kid, you get very emotional. You cry. I cried after that final because Nadal won. Still probably the greatest match ever. But over the years, I've started to kind of gain respect for Rafa, not as a hatred, but someone as a respected rival. And I think Federer fans all over and Nadal fans can agree. There's really not bad blood between Federer and Nadal. These guys support each other on and off the court. When Nadal tied Federer for the most Grand Slams at 20, when he won the French Open two years ago, Federer wrote a post about him. Federer is an ambassador for his academy. He's one of the, I think he's like a part owner of that, of his academy. And they support each other, good friends off the court. So there is no bad blood for me or anyone. So seeing Rafa Nadal hold that trophy was one of the sweetest feelings I've ever felt. I thought I was curious to see how it feel because you're you're talking about a kid, me man, since 2006-2007, um I never saw Federer lose the race, right? Almost 15 years this guy has not lost the race in my lifetime. But I never thought it would happen, and it happened. And I think as Federer fans, Nadal fans, Djokovic fans, we all got to come together and realize this is history, man. And 
I, I woke up at three o'clock. I watched the whole match. I, I took kind of like an hour nap. I'll be honest, because I thought Medvedev was going to run away with it. And then I, the second set, I missed the second set. And then I saw it after that. But what a match. So let's break it down. I want to get into it. Um, I, that you know, That's just my take on the match. But let's look at the match. So the first two sets, Medvedev won 6-2-7-6. And these were the only sets he won. The first set, you could tell Medvedev was doing his thing. He was being the technical player he was. He was moving Nadal all around the court. I felt Nadal at first was a little too um, – he wasn't as aggressive. You know, he was just trying to get the ball back into the court. He wasn't – he was playing on the defensive end. And if people don't know this, Nadal in the early part of his career was a very defensive tennis player. He wasn't very offensive. He was known for the defense. But when he want, when he needed to show the offense, it was incredible. He would blow people off the court. So anyways, first set, Medvedev destroys him. Second set, Nadal starts to play a little better. You can tell he's showing his aggression. He's using the forehand. He's mixing it up. He's putting more power behind his shots. He's up 5-3 serving for the set. Medvedev breaks him. And then Medvedev rallies to win that set. And then, you know, as, as a tennis fan coming back from two sets to love is the hardest thing to do in a five-set tennis match. It's very tough to do. Third set, we go to the third set. Nadal, uh, Medvedev is up 3-2. Love 40. And after Nadal came back and won that Love 40 game, everything changed. The mentality for Medvedev changed. The whole match turned its head. Nadal started getting a boost from the crowd. He started to um, not be as fatigued anymore. And he really put everything into the match. He went pure offensive, aggressive mode. Which is weird because he played very Federer-like, which is something that I noticed in this match. He was just hitting bruising forehands, backhand winners. Just he was playing lights out. And I think that really changed the match. I think Medvedev never got over the love 40 hold. I think the difference in this match really came to the big points, right? Medvedev missed a lot of volleys. As you guys know... And if you've noticed the match, Nadal knew how to beat Medvedev. Medvedev did not know how to beat Nadal, I felt. He did not know how to mentally get over what he faced in the third set. He never got over it. Um, and yeah, Nadal was using the drop shot perfectly to tire out Medvedev. Because he knows when if Medvedev comes in, he's uncomfortable at net and he can just pass him. Medvedev tried to use the same exact thing against Rafa using the drop shots, and he just did terrible. A drop shot is supposed to hit low, not 10 feet above the court. You know, his drop shots were so big and high that Nadal just passed him every time. Um, I, I kept shouting at the screen, too. I was like, Medvedev, why are you using drop shots? Obviously, it's not working. I think the drop shot only worked once or twice in the whole match. Um, and then, yeah, so Rafa ran away with the third and the fourth. Um and even then, like, Medvedev had his chances, man. I mean, even in the fifth set at, uh, what was it, 5-4, um, he got he finally got the break. He broke Nadal. Um, and then he just couldn't serve it out and hold serve. And, yeah, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, man, shame on me. So it's it's just one of those things that, you know, Nadal had the more experience. He was had the more of the fire, and he won the match. 
Um, where do we go from here, though? I think that's the real question, right? You know, because right now, Nadal's has 21 Grand Slams. Djokovic has 20. Federer has 20. <clears throat> Excuse me, my, my throat's hurting a lot just because I've been screaming at my TV. But these are my thoughts about the GOAT implications. I think Federer is done. I've said this for the last year now. He's injured. I don't think he should come. I think he will come back, but I think this should be the last hurrah. Play Wimbledon, and that's it. Try to see if he can win. Djokovic, there's a lot of uncertainty with him now because of this whole vaccine status. A lot of people, including Nadal fans, know this. If Novak had played, and we all know this would have happened, Nadal would have not passed the semifinals. But unfortunately, because of the visa stuff, he didn't get a chance to play. And then also now we're looking onto the French Open, which is literally going to be in a couple months. Nadal is going to run away with the French Open if Djokovic doesn't play either, because he can't. The minister came out and said Novak cannot play. We will not allow a medical exemption for Novak, which sucks, but it's the truth. They're not going to do it. I think Rafael Nadal at this point is the greatest player of all time. And this is coming from a Federer fan. He's got the head-to-head against Federer. He's a humble fighter. He beat Medvedev, who's a hardcore specialist. He blew the competition this year. He came back from injury. He had COVID. I mean, all the bad karma. He should have never won this tournament, and he did it. Very reminiscent of when Roger Federer came back from injury in 2017 and he beat Nadal. He went on that insane run, three straight five-set matches against Walrinka, Nishikori. Um, He had some tough matches and won that tournament. Very reminiscent of that. That's what I kept telling my friends today. Like, yeah, this is very reminiscent of five years ago. So, yeah, I think Rafa is the greatest player of all time. At this point, yes, he is. Because to be 35 and have all the injuries you've dealt with throughout your whole career and to still pass a Djokovic and a Federer, it's it's amazing, man. And especially Medvedev, who, you know, it's no argument. I think Medvedev is the, the best player right now. I think <clears throat> Medvedev played better for two sets and a half. And I think Rafa just edged him out. I think if this was... You know, I think this, if you replay this match, it it would go either way. This could have gone either way. So, again, you know, it's it's just one of those things, man. It was just a great story. And it was bound to happen for Rafa, not for Medvedev. But Medvedev will be back. I'm going to tell you guys right now. Do not, (laughs) do not give up on Medvedev because he is still young. He's 25. I mean, he just went to war with Rafa. This stuff happens, right? You choke. C.T. Paz choked against Djokovic. Federer choked against so many other of the big three, right? He choked against Djokovic twice at the U.S. Open. Choked against Djokovic in Wimbledon. He choked against Nadal in the French Open. He choked against Nadal. I mean, there's so many. It happens, you know? So don't lose your faith in Medvedev. He's great. But yeah, as far as the GOAT implications go, Nadal is the greatest of all time. If, it, if they all retire right now, I think Rafa is the greatest because of everything he's gone through. And it's a conversation I, I 
like I never wanted to really think about. It. I think about all the times Rafa's had to miss tournaments and um, everything, and it's it's crazy. So it's really really crazy to me that I'm saying it. He is the greatest of all time. I think obviously if Djokovic can you know tie him at 22, which I think is going to happen. So my my prediction, my early early predictions for the Grand Slam calendar year, I think. Nadal will win the French regardless if Novak plays or doesn't play. And then I think Novak will win Wimbledon and maybe the U.S. And the only reason I'm saying maybe is because Medvedev is probably the second best hardcore player in the world. But again, I think it'll be 22-22. And I think Federer will stand at 20. He'll be the third best player. Um, Grand Slams wise, yes. So that's that's my thinking at least. I think that's the way the year is gonna go. I I I'm really looking forward to see how the Masters events goes. Obviously, there's the question about Rafa. He in his speech, I thought he was gonna actually say, "I'm this is my last one," because he was he said he was thinking about quitting. He was, you know, all this doubt. He didn't even know whether to say if he's gonna be here next year. So. Is there a chance this could be Rafa's last year on tour? It may very well be because he, I mean, does Rafa really want to play with injuries his whole life? Because he, he, despite the fact the guy um, is quote-unquote injury-free, you're never really injury-free if you've had the amount of surgeries and injuries this guy's had. I mean, same thing with Roger. Roger came back right from his knee surgeries, but guess what? He had to get more knee surgery. So that that's what I'm trying to say. It's going to be interesting to see because for me, the way that match looked, it looked like he gave everything he ever had. Everything. Everything he ever had. He gave it all, man. And I I just it felt like one of those moments where he has nothing more to give to this sport. I just that's what the match felt like. He gave every last minute of blood, sweat, and tears he could ever give, I feel. And I think that will be, I personally think that will probably be Rafa's last hardcore title. I don't see him winning another one. I see him winning one more French. But look, it it would be impressive he can win the U.S. Open. But again, injuries, he's 35. We'll see what happens. I think it'll be 2022 at the end of the year. For sure. I also wanted to highlight a couple of other matches, uh, and then I'll end the podcast. Ashley Barty, what a way, ending the 44-year streak. She had a great match against Danielle Collins. The first set was all Barty, and then Collins had a uh, 5-1 to one, uh, lead in the second set, and Barty came back and won the set. Um, great match. I, I saw the highlights, and so I only saw the first set, and then I saw... The second set highlights. And yeah, Barty completely came back and won that. So congrats to her. She's one of she's one of a couple of players to have won on three different surfaces, which is crazy. And she's only won three Grand Slams. So and I think Ashley Barty is the correct number one player. She's been the most consistent player in the top twenty, I would say, or top five. Um, even though Osaka you know, has four Grand Sam. She's number 80 in the world right now, which is crazy. So I think 
Marty will have a great year. She's probably going to win two or three this year, I, I feel. Now, the last thing I wanted to talk about was Nick Curios and Thanasi Kokonakis. What a tournament. These guys came off the couch. Nick also had COVID, by the way, and they won the doubles Grand Slam final. They are Grand Slam champions. Whoever thought Nick Kyrgios would have a Grand Slam to his name? I never thought it. I never thought Thanasi would. Um, and for those people who are trolling, saying, oh, well, doubles is not a real form of tennis, shut up. It is. There's a reason why there's a doubles Grand Slam. Regardless of doubles or singles, he's a Grand Slam champion. I don't think anyone can say bad things about Nick anymore. Because he's definitely changed his attitude. I think he found what is most happy in his life. And he just wants to have fun, man. And I love what he's doing for the game of tennis. He's bringing viewership for doubles. Which is something no one is doing. He's doing it. Um, there was a picture that one of these uh, sports writers put on Twitter, and it showed the crowd for the Curios Kokonakis match versus one of the top doubles teams in the world. It was completely empty versus Curios and Kokonakis. It was all 80, 85% capacity was there. So it shows you the status and the marketing firm. Where do I see Curios going from here? Curios said something very important in his post-match press conference. He said that I've never been this dedicated to a tournament ever. He said he got up at 7 a.m. He was practicing. He was focused, laser focused. Now, I'm hoping this translates into the singles. Because if he's laser focused in doubles, he can be. He can do it in singles. He can do it. And I'm telling you guys, if he puts the focus... In doubles as he does in singles, especially this tournament, when he said that, I think that spoke volumes to me. And I think he needs to listen to this. He's going to be a Grand Slam champion in two years. Easy. Easy. He's going to beat everyone. He's that good of a player. To get off the couch, to take a set off Medvedev, you just don't do that. You know what I mean? Not even Federer and Rafa can do that. I don't think they can do that. He did it, though. And to win a Grand Slam doubles title when you're not even using doubles tactics and you're using singles tactics, that's wild to me how they did that. So what I'm trying to say is, Curios, you have a chance to do something big in singles. And I think he needs to implement the game plan and the focus he's using, he used in this tournament in doubles. And he's got to just go for it, man, because he can. So... It's, 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 I'm really excited to see what happens. I'm really looking forward to the tennis season, guys. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed um, the three episodes I did. I wish I could do more, but again, you guys know how hard it is to talk about tennis during the Australian Open. Pretty much, I would have to not sleep for two weeks. That's the only way I'd be able to talk about it. But, you know, there's a lot of great moments in this Open. I think I thought it was one of the best stories right we got two two australians to win a grand slam we we got a great final in rafa and medvedev we got to see nadal finally after 18 years pass fetter he never had a lead by the way he was always the chaser now he's going to be the hunted he's the hunted now guys Djokovic and fetter are hunting him again i do think fetter is done but i think Djokovic will still end up winning 25 that's always been my gut feeling um and yeah 
you know, those are really my thoughts. It was a great tournament. They did a great job. And for everyone out in Australia who had to deal with all these quarantines, staying at the house, the Victorian government making you stay, I, I think it's crazy, crazy how the whole Australian Open board, they, it was a struggle to make this event happen, from what I heard, to make fans come in, especially with all the lockdowns. And, you know, Craig did it. He's the tournament director. And I think he's actually retiring. So great job, man. It's Australian Open is always the favorite tournament for all these players. It wins every year for favorite tournament of the year or favorite Grand Slam. So, I mean, really exciting stuff, guys. Uh, yeah, those are really my final thoughts on this. Um, and, yeah, uh, I will be back again. We will be talking about uh, the Master Series, which will happen in March. So I'll probably be off for a month again. Uh, who knows? Maybe I'll come back for one or one or two podcasts talking about some of the smaller tournaments. But again, I don't think those add much value, really, just because uh, I'm going to be honest, they're not exciting enough. But the Masters, Indian Wells and Miami. So look forward to that. I will be talking about that in March. Anyways, guys, again, this is your host again, Nathan Rapaka with the Slice Podcast. Have a good weekend, guys. Bye-bye.